If you have a copy of God's Word, if you would stay there with me in 1 Corinthians 12, um, if you are using that copy there in the seat, um, that is awesome as well. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible maybe, uh, man, make that yours today. That's, that's your gift today. I'd love for you to, to take that and make that your own if you don't have a copy of God's Word. But um, during uh, our time in God's Word this morning, we want to actually look at the book, actually look at the Bible. So I want to encourage you to look at the pages there because we're going to walk through this text uh, together. Um, this week I was in a conversation with a gentleman and uh, we started talking uh, just about uh, the, the condition of our world and, and our country and, and you could just hear in his voice, it was real, just a burden that he had uh, for our country and and obviously, it started going to politics, and I don't talk a lot about politics. Um, the only time I ever really talk about politics is, is when I like to get a rise out of my mom sometimes. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just that's, I, I don't even know if I should have said that, but anyway, so sometimes I, I will do things like that just to be funny, but I really don't, I don't go there a whole lot, but, but this, this gentleman that I was meeting with, I mean, was, he's a great guy, I love him to death, he's, he's a dear friend of mine, but um, it, it just, I heard it in his voice, and one of the things that we started talking about was remembering together this great truth that Jesus Christ will live forever. He, he lives now and he will live forever. And the Bible tells us that the word of God stands forever. And it will live forever. It will live forever. And not only that, but the church. The church, the people of God, will live forever. And that that is the hope of the world. Jesus, the word of God, which gives life and hope to people, to all people. And the church, the church. You see, governments and, and rulers will, will all one day go away. But Jesus Christ, his word and his church will live and stand forever. And so it's important for us this morning, as we've been walking through 1 Corinthians, is to know and understand who is the church? Uh, who is the church? Uh, what is the church's purpose and, and mission? And as individual members of the church, where's my place? What, what is my part in the body of Christ? And so this morning, Paul's going to do that. Paul's going to do that. So as we've looked at this letter, we've seen that uh, the church in Corinth has been messy, right? As we said a few weeks ago, it's kind of the church gone wild. There's many different things going on, many different problems, uh, some very destructive patterns and habits they were involved in. Uh, but here in this chapter, he, he wants to come and encourage them and tell them who they are in Jesus Christ as the church, re remind them of their great mission, and encourage them to every little part, every function, every role, every gift in the church, and let them know that they matter, that they matter, and they play an important part. And so I want to look at that with you this morning. In 1 Corinthians 12, if you join me in verse 12 through 14 as we begin this morning, I want you to see who the church is. What does Paul say about the church? He says, for even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. 
For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we are all made to drink of the same, or, or of the one spirit. And then if you go down to verse 27 in the same chapter, Paul says, now you are Christ's body and individually, individually members of it. Paul uses a word often here, the word body, right? The word body there is the word soma in the original language, and it speaks of uh, the body of Christ. It's used throughout the New Testament to speak of the church as the body of Jesus Christ. And so what we learn about this idea of the church here is the church is not a building. Uh, the church is not a, a place um, w- where you meet. I mean, often we will say that, hey, we're going to go to church this morning, all right? We, we will say that often. But, but the church is a people. It Literally, Paul says here, it's the body of Christ. And so the building, the meeting place, is secondary. And so Jesus has made the church. He's made the church through his death and resurrection, through his ascension as well. Paul will talk about in Ephesians 1. And that through the Holy Spirit, he says here in verse 12 and 13, we are baptized. We are identified as the church. We're, we're united together with Jesus Christ as the church. Now, how does that happen? The Bible tells us that by grace, through faith, that that you and I can be saved, that we can be saved from uh, our sins, the the penalty of our sins, which, which is death. And the Bible says that we can have life. We can have eternal life. And so what happens when we come to know Jesus Christ and have a personal relationship with him and we are saved through faith, we now are part of God's redemptive body, the church. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does that. He, he draws us to know Jesus Christ, to have this relationship with Christ. And we become this new creation where old things have gone away. And behold, new things have come. And now we know Christ. We're united with him. Now we're joined together in, as his people, the body of Christ. And so the church is made up of people globally, locally, from different ethnicities, races, and positions, as he talks about here in verse 14. And even though we are many, we're united as one, one body, one body under the authority of Jesus Christ. And that's important. In fact, Paul says in Colossians 1.18, he says that Jesus is also head of the body. So that word soma, the, the body, the body of Jesus Christ, Jesus is the head of the body, the church, and he's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. And so we are connected to Jesus for he is our head. He is our leader. He's our pastor. He is the one we are to follow. He's our Lord. We live under his authority as the church. And so as the church, we have a vital connection with Jesus Christ as the source of our life. He sustains us. He directs us by his power. And so we're united, Paul says. One, because of Jesus, our head, our leader. But we're also united by a common purpose, by a common mission. And Paul tells us this in Ephesians chapter 1 as he's talking about the bodies, he's talking about the church. He talks about the purpose of the church. We read this earlier in our service, but listen to this. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, it says that he put all things in subjection under his feet. The Father put all things in subjection 
under the feet of Jesus Christ. And he gave Jesus as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, we read that verse. That might be, we read it maybe one or two times. We'll be like, okay, what is Paul saying here? What is, what is he meaning? And Paul says here that Jesus fills every part of the universe. Every part of the universe. There, there's no place that his purpose, his wisdom, his power, his authority, and his name does not have dominion and does not have rule. And so by his sovereignty, he, he fills all things, Paul says. Paul tells us that this is accomplished in and through his resurrection, also through his ascension, and him ascending to um, the right hand of God where he is now, his exaltation. And so what's mind-blowing, though, as we read this passage, is that the church, according to what Paul says, is the fullness of Jesus who fills all in all. And so this means the church, the body of Christ, is the fullness by which Christ fills all things. A verse to help us with this, Ephesians 3.10 says, So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers, the authorities, and the heavenly places. And so the church is to make known the many-sided wisdom of God. We're to make that known to the world. What's interesting about Ephesians 3.10 as we look at this, it says, through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. And so what's interesting about what we do here on Sunday morning is we're singing, as we're encouraging one another, as we're spurring one another on, as we do life together, as we gather as life groups, as we are, are living out the gospel throughout the week, Paul says something's going on here. What we're making known even to the heavenly places. And so what does that mean? I, I think he's talking about to angels, even. I think he means even to possibly demons and satanic powers. We are declaring, we are witnessing as the church the greatness of God, who he is as, as we live out our faith, as we live out the gospel. And so whatever the meaning is there and. Ephesians 3.10, whoever we're communicating that to, it is clear that the church is the fullness of Jesus who fills all in all. And so God's mission is this, to fill every inch of the universe, every nook and cranny in the world by putting his son on display. And so how does that happen through our lives? How we care for one another, how we love one another, which we're going to see in a second. And so that means... Filling Carrollton, filling up the colony, filling up Plano, filling up Louisville, filling up Flyermount, filling up Dallas, to, to the uttermost parts of the world. John Piper says this, God means to fill the universe with the glory of his son by putting the church on display as the embodiment of his son, Jesus Christ. And so the church is to fill the universe with the glory of Christ. The called out ones, that's what the church is. So we see two terms this morning. We see the body that Paul uses. That's the word soma, right? We are the body. But he also uses the word church. And so what is the church? The church is the ecclesia, And that word ecclesia, I love that word. It means the called out ones. And so as the called out ones, we are making known Jesus Christ to the world. In fact, Peter says this, you're a chosen race as the church. 
You're a royal priesthood as the church. You're a holy nation as the church. You're a people for God's own possession as the church so that you may do this, proclaim the excellencies of Jesus who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. That's what we're declaring as the church. And so as the body of Christ, that's our purpose. That's our mission that unites us together under the authority of Jesus Christ. But back to 1 Corinthians 12, I want you to see something unique here that Paul says is significant and is vital, that we must embrace. And look what he says in verse 14 of chapter 12. He says, the body is not one member, but it's many. And so what is Paul talking about? He's talking about diversity. He's talking about diversity. Paul is comparing the church here in this chapter to the human body, and as he does, he speaks of the body of Christ, the church, as being full of diversity, and that this is part of God's plan. So each local church is different than others. The members within each local church are different. Each member is different in so many ways, including ethnicity, race, age, life stage, intellectually, physically, spiritually, personality, and giftedness. We are all different. And so Paul is going to proceed here in this text, and he's going to give us this picture, this analogy of the human body and what this means for the church in each part. And so look what he says in verse 15. He talks about this diversity as the church. He says here that if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. And so there's a problem here. What's, what is it? What's the problem here in this text? It, it's the feeling or it's the opinion that if you're not like somebody else, you are useless. It's the feeling of, of usefulness. The comparison here in this text reveals one's comparison that makes him feel like he doesn't matter, like he's useless, like he doesn't belong, like he has no worthwhile role to play in the church. And so the member feels like because he's not like some other member, he's not any good. He's not good enough to the body, that their gifts are not important. They feel like they might as well not even be a part of the church. Sometimes that's why some people will, will leave their local church. They feel like maybe they're not important. The part they play, the role they play, the gift they have is not important. And Paul says, that's not true. Paul says, that's not true. Paul wants every member to know that their conclusion, if they feel that way or, or that, that that's their opinion, that that's not true because no member is useless. But instead, all are met to give a unique manifestation of the Spirit of God for the common good from last week in chapter 12, verse 7. We all are important, every member. And so diversity is necessary. It's important. Look at verse 19. He says this. He says, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. And so the body would not exist if there was no diversity. The very existence of the body depends on the diversity, Paul says. And then look at verse 17. He says this, If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole uh, were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. And so diversity is God's good and wise design. It's part of his plan. And so if we feel we're useless, 
Paul says right here, what, what you're doing is you're saying no to God in verse 18. You're saying no to his design. You're saying no to his plan and not trusting him. And so it is not by accident that, that members are in the local church that they are in. It's part of God's strategic plan for his church. Every member is needed. Every member is valued and part of God's design for his body to fill up the universe with the glory and the renown of Jesus Christ. And so every member is important. Every member should be valued. Every member. But there's a second problem. Look at verse 21. He says here, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Are necessary. Last night, my, my wife and I, this hit me this morning as I was reading this text. We, we were talking, and there was a couple times yesterday, and, and she'd probably tell you it was actually more than a couple times, but um, she, she was talking to me. We were in the same room together. She was talking to me, and I didn't hear her. Like, I didn't hear her. And so she, wasn't, she was on the other side of the room, and so this wasn't, we weren't a long way away. But I, I just did not hear her, okay? And some of you guys in here this morning were like, yeah, I get that, I, you know? No, no, I've, I did not hear her. And so I, I struggle, especially as I get older, uh, with uh, peripheral noise, and, and it drowns out uh, things that people say sometimes. And so sometimes I will not hear things. I will not hear things. And she was joking around with me, and I, I love this. She was, she was saying, okay, yeah, okay, so your, your hearing go, is going, and she's been struggling with some, some eyesight, and so she's like, my eyes are going. She says, so at least I'll have good hearing, and you'll have good eyesight. And we were just talking about that. And I was thinking, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. And it's kind of like the church, okay? We, we, we need good hearing. We need good eyesight. And, and so what's the problem here? In this text, when this one is saying, I have no need of you, right? To the hand and to the feet, I have no need of you. The problem in this text is the feeling or opinion that I don't need you. It's a, it's a feeling and opinion of self-sufficiency. I'm good doing this on my own. I have no need of you. It, it's pride. It's pride. I don't need it, another member for this reason or for that reason. But what Paul is saying here is that every member is necessary. In fact, one translation says every member is indispensable. Every member is needed. We need each other. We need each other. In fact, look what he says in verse 23 through 26. He says, those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has composed the body, speaking of the church, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same, here's, key, here's a key phrase, may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so Paul, when he's talking to this one who, who feels this level of pride or the self-sufficiency, he says he doesn't want any division, but instead he wants the same care for one another. Same care for one another. What is this care? I think it's spiritual care. 
I think it's physical care as well. And so when we think about spiritual care, it includes two things, I believe. Paul talked about this throughout the New Testament. I think it includes protecting those in the body spiritually. I think it also refers to spiritual care as those uh, who pour into others, so as a mentor relationship or a disciple relationship. And, and so Paul would say, I don't want to do anything within the body to cause another one to stumble, right? And so we see that here in 1 Corinthians as well. On the other hand, Paul wanted us to take an active role in caring for one another by pouring into each other's lives. But by, by taking, a, a, as a man, maybe with another man, of, of mentoring them. Uh, maybe they're younger in the faith, uh, maybe a little uh, less mature in the faith, and coming alongside them and mentoring them and discipling them. And Paul was all for that. And Paul said, that's how we need to see our role in the church, to care for one another. It's taking time to walk with someone, to disciple someone. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 and 19 and 20, that's our mandate, to go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And he says, I'll be with you as you do this, even to the end of the age. That's what we're to do, to care for one another spiritually, but not only that, physically as well. As members of the church, we're also to care for one another physically. Um, Luke talked about this back in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. There was a problem that arised in the church. Remember, the church was young. It was in its early stages. And a problem arised. It says in Acts 6, 1, And at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, the church was growing. There was a complaint that came out as part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. And so from the needs of widows to the poor to orphans and beyond, there will always be needs in our midst. There always will be. And so the church is to care for those needs. We all have a part in spiritual care and physical care, and every part is important. Every role, every function we play. Paul says in verse 27, now you. So he's talking about us together. It's a plural term there. Now, you are Christ's body, and individually, you are members of it. And so together, we make up the body of Christ, and every member is significant. Every member is needed. And guess what? As every member in this room, you know what? You need the other members. You need every member in this room. Now look what he says, we're going to wrap up on this last section. Look what he says in verse 28. He says, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they, he asks, and all are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, all are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? And obviously the answer is, is no to that. And so Paul lists out these eight kinds of members and their special functions. He mentions apostles. Those are sent out ones. Those are maybe the missionaries. Uh, they are the church planners, and they are needed. They are significant. And then he says there's prophets, and those are ones who speak forth as representatives of God. And then there's teachers. They give instruction according to the scripture of God. They teach the church. 
And so Paul mentions these gifts that God has given to the church, these roles and these functions, and they're all different, and they're all needed. And not only that, the fourth and fifth one, he mentions these miracles and gifts of healing, and these uh, give proof that God is working in a powerful way. And so this could be physical healing. This could be spiritual healing. These could be marriages being healed, relationships being healed, uh, hearts that are filled with grief being healed, and on and on and on. And so God um, uses people, whether it's a counselor, uh, wh- whether it's just um, one who has a kind heart to, to listen and to care for someone else, and God works through people in a powerful way. And not only that, I love this word. This is, this is one word that in my mind I, the, all week I just kept circling. I was like, I love this word. The word helps. The word helps. That's such an important role, important function in the church. And this could be various kinds of help to people in need. Um, I think of people who, who greet at the door on Sunday morning. That's one of my favorite roles in the church. In fact, if I didn't have my role in the church as, as pastor and teacher, I mean, I, that's where I would be. I would be greeting people. And some of you are like, I, I can't do that, right? I, I, can't do, I, I struggle, maybe a little more introverted. I, I could talk to a wall, right? That's where I'm at. So, so helps people who, who greet, uh, people who do things that are unseen, behind the, the scenes. Uh, our children's workers this morning, some of them are teaching and helping right now as we are in heal, and some of those things go unseen. But, but these are the helpers. These are people who do various kinds of things within and throughout the church, caring for one another spiritually and physically. And not only that, this one, administration. This is another one I circle in my mind because this is not my favorite, right? I, I, I do, this does not get me excited. I, I am not administratively inclined. But man, those who manage and direct the daily affairs of the church and the things go on. And so I, I think of the likes of Isabel and others who, who just play that role. And where would the church be without it? It's so significant, so significant. And then he goes on and lastly says various kinds of, of tongues, and we talked about this last week, the gifts of tongues about which Paul would say much more about in chapter four, which we're gonna to get to, but that's the ability to speak in one or more languages that the speaker um, had not learned before. So in Acts two, we see it's foreign uh, languages. However, the language Paul's gonna talk about, I think in the coming weeks in chapter 13 are not limited to human languages. In fact, he's gonna talk about tongues of angels. And so nevertheless, though, whatever the tongues are, he's saying here they're intelligible with interpretation. They weren't just gibberish, but they were building up and edifying the church, encouraging the body of Christ. And so Paul says these roles, these gifts, these functions, including the ones he talked about last week, including the ones in Romans 12 as well. Listen to what he says in verse 31. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. I love that word earnestly. You see, all of us in here, as part of the church, God is gifted. As we've heard this morning, we're all diverse. We have different likes, different ages in here. We have different gifts, different things we're better at than, than somebody else. And God has wired the church like that. But everyone in here has gifts to care for the church spiritually and physically. Everyone. But I love that phrase, earnestly desire. 
Peter says this in 1 Peter 10. He's going to tell us to employ those gifts. And so here's the deal. We've got to pursue these gifts. We've got to grow in these gifts. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know what I have to offer. I don't know my function. I don't know my role. I don't know my gifts. Well, he says here, earnestly desire. So that means we have to work at it. Go, go and find out what it is so you can, can play a part in the church. Go, go find out what it is. Seek it out. What's my role? What's my part? Because guess what? All of us play an important part. All of us are needed. And then he says in verse 31, and I show you still a more excellent way. And so it's important to have these gifts. They are vital. This, this is how the church rolls, right? With these gifts, but even more important, right, is to excel in loving one another. With that agape type love, sacrificial love, caring for one another. Not, not based on what someone does for us, but the love of Christ, where we show grace and we show great concern for each other spiritually and physically. And so love is the context for these gifts. And it's this love that's to fill the church as we seek to live out our mission to fill every nook and cranny with the glory and the renown of Jesus Christ. And so without love, the members and their gifts have no usefulness of all. But with this kind of love, guess what? The church can shine bright. In a world of darkness, the church in all its diversity, every person playing a part with their giftedness and their uniqueness, as we're loving one another, as we're caring for one another, as we're taking care of physical needs, we're taking care of spiritual needs, and as we're united under Jesus Christ, his authority, united by his purpose and by his mission, seeking to spread his name to every school, to every place of work, to every neighborhood we live in, as we live out the gospel as the church, God begins to do a work. God begins to do a work in and through us. That's his plan for us as the church. And so today, remember who we are as the church. Remember that you have an important part. You are valued as the church. God has designed you exactly the way he has wanted you. He's designed you exactly the way he has wanted you for the body of Christ. And so today, if you're here, and, and maybe you're man, checking the ridge out, Maybe you've been checking the ridge out for a few weeks. Maybe it's your first time, and maybe you're trying to, to seek out, man, Lord, where do you want me right now? Man, and, and maybe you're kicking the tires, and you're trying to figure out who, who Jesus Christ is. Who, who is Christ? And, 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 and maybe you're seeking to learn. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, no church is perfect, <laughs> but the ridge is a great place to come and to receive spiritual care, to receive physical care. That's one of the things that, that I love about this church. And that there are many different members who play many different roles here. And so if you're kicking the tires, if you're trying to see where God wants you to be, man, I want to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you to, to, to seek some people out. Maybe seek me out after the church. Uh, get to know some people. And, and, and one of the things that I encourage people all the time is, hey, man, start praying. Pray, Lord, Lord, is this where you want me to be if you're seeking out a new church or a place to call your home, a place where you can come and, and be a part of it? Because guess what? Here at the Ridge, every member is valued. 
And everyone plays a significant part. Every member is needed. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. And so today, if you're here and, man, you're seeking out who Jesus Christ is, I I want you to hear this, that God loves you and that he gave Christ, his one and only son, to die for you. Jesus went to the cross and he died in our place. He, He took the price and he took the penalty that we all deserve and he died for us. That's how much God loves us. On the third day, the Bible says that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead that Jesus conquered the grave. And what's amazing, the Bible tells us, is that is the, the last fear, the last thing that is abolished is, is death. And that's our greatest fear. But guess what? Through Christ, God has taken care of that so that we could have life, that we could have eternal life and live with him forever and be a part of the church, his body. That's what Jesus has done for us. And so, if you're here today, you've never trusted in Christ, the Bible says to believe in him, to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says when we do that, we will be saved. And we begin this relationship with him. We begin to follow him. We begin to live and understand what it means to be his church, what it means to be his follower, what it means to be his disciple. And so we want to encourage you in that today. And if you're here and you're like, man, I'd love to know more about that. We'd love to continue the conversation. Even after the service, I'll be up here hanging around. Love to get to know you. Um, And so we'd love for you to to, to seek that out if you're really uh, here today and and kicking the tires and trying to know who is Jesus. We'd love to tell you. So let's pray together today.